21. Can you do something for me? 21. Can you hit a little rich flex for me? 21. Then 21. Can you do something for me? 21. Drop some bars to my all right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. Then we are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. 877-37-GRIND is your number. Or that's 877-374-7463. All right, we've got some Facebook Live questions. But before we get to that, let me finish to what I wanted to get into Bill Belichick and some comments he made down here at these meetings and coaches and owners. Now, you said when we were talking about the Lamar, you said, oh, there's another team that's at now. Now, you didn't tell me this off air, but what is this? Was this the page that you were talking about? Yeah. So in real time here, um, within the hour, uh, Albert Breer uh-huh. of NBC Sports, Monday morning quarterback, he said that uh, Robert Kraft said that Meek Mill texted him. Meek Mills okay. and te- uh, text you know Meek Mill Meek Mill texted Robert Kraft uh, that uh, Lamar Jackson wanted to come to the Patriots. Kraft then said that would be Belichick's decision. Well, look, the reason why I think there's some smoke brewing around there is because Bill Belichick, when asked, and I guess it was regarding the quarter his quarterback situation. And in regards to Mac Jones, and keep in mind, um, they have the, uh, the other kid over there. What was my other man's name? Bailey Zappi. Zappi. That's right, Zappi. Bill Belichick was quoted saying, uh, the best guy's going to play. Or, or let, let me, no, let me rephrase that. That's not exactly what he said. What he said, he goes, we're going to play the best player. That's what he said. Now, tomato, tomato, but no matter what exactly verbatim he said, what he said is not giving that vote of a confidence in Mac Jones. And considering where you took Mac Jones from with a first-round pick, and people thought, and I thought, and I came in here and said, Zappies, the team clicks and pops better under the circumstances they were playing with. The type of skill set, lack of receiving core that they had, Zappy was a better fit in that offense than Mac Jones. There were some Patriot fans that wanted Zappy instead of Mac Jones. Now, I've seen some workout video of Mac Jones. I know he's taking his diet super. He's doing speed drills. He's doing all this kind of stuff. But regardless, I think Mac Jones can be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but I think to, to get the greatest out of Mac Jones and the best out of him, you're going to have to surround him with a bunch of talent. And unfortunately, the New England Patriots and the situation that they're in, post the Tom Brady, post the way that their history of spending money and dollars and people just wanting to come to New England and play, to be able to surround Mac Jones with those type of weapons and sustain that is probably not going to be doable. So, therefore, before you add in real quick, my point is, so, therefore, Zappy becomes very attractive. But the bottom line is, Bill Belichick, by making that comment in March, has put it out there that, you know what, that for one, himself and the organization is not 100% sold on Mac Jones. And keep in mind, this is a guy that took them to the playoffs the first year. 
Okay. So that is something. So it doesn't shock me that New England, which I think when CBS Sports had one of the logic landing spots of the 11 of them for Lamar, New England was kind of on this list because Bill Belichick has always spoke highly of Lamar Jackson, has had difficult times <laughs> game planning and trying to stop Lamar Jackson. So, no, it wouldn't shock me if Bill or New England would kick the tires around or what it would take. But you mean to tell me, go look, if Andy, let me tell you something, and I'll tell you right now, if you if you really believe that the Baltimore Ravens, under Biscotti's watch and Harbaugh's watch, that they would trade Lamar to the New England Patriots, then you don't know the history of the NFL and you don't understand the Patriots and Baltimore's robbery. So I don't even know why I want to spend time, wasted time talking about that if you really believe the Ravens are going to trade. No, this, it, besides the robbery between the two, which I think is just blasphemy to even conversate about this, but it's also the same thing I tell you about the Spurs, the Lakers, the Yankees. Teams that have had success over decades of time, who else in their peers in their league is trying to help them get better, to get back? What do you think is the main one of the main reasons why Coach Pop wouldn't even didn't even think about trading Kawhi to the Lakers? It wasn't so much of not really giving Kawhi what he wanted. It was more about not making your ultra. Why are we making the team that's tied for the most banners? Why are we helping them get back? So we can just we can X all the New England and Baltimore to Lamar to Patriots talk, but go ahead. Well, when you look at the weapons and what New England every year, New England feels like they maybe add a piece or two that might help the offense. This year looks very interesting. They've got Mike Desecchi, the tight end I love out of Miami. They got him on a one year deal. James Robinson, who who did well uh, with the Jaguars, he's there on a two year deal. And now you've got Juju over there on a three-year contract. The offense looks better, I would, or maybe more explosive. I wouldn't put it up there. It still is like something great, but I think that you're giving whether whether it's Zappy, whether it's going to be Mac Jones. You're already putting the the pin in the balloon of Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah. You're popping that theory right now. So whether you've got a tight end, and then you also forget to factor too, uh, you're bringing in Bill O'Brien. Who's going to have the Alabama system? Combining that with a former Alabama quarterback, Mac Jones, I feel like he might have the leg up. And now you've got him potentially the best weapons he's had in his time uh, since he's been drafted. Well, first of all, I don't necessarily think Bill O'Brien's coming in with the Alabama system because I think Bill O'Brien is a coach that's coached in New England and the NFL before. He's been a head coach with the Texans. I think Bill O'Brien is going to be running – whatever type of offense that I think Bill Belichick sees fit for the way his team is assembled. Bill O'Brien's not bringing Bill's call? Huh? That's Bill Bill Belichick's call? Oh, yeah. Of course. I mean, Bill, I mean, there's certain coaches, and it's going to be a a good segue to Adam's question here. There's certain uh, coaches that they (laughs) – you might have a general manager in place, but they're making decisions on what's being served at cafeteria food, what time are we going there, how many vending machines do we really need necessary. Bill is Yes, that's Bill's call. Bill O'Brien is not bringing any particular system to from Alabama. He's going to do the system that what they thought is best for the way the team is structured. Now, those weapons that you talk about that they've added, yes. It, it, anything is an upgrade for what they've been dealing with last year and the year before last, but when you look in a division of Miami and what the weapons they, when you look at Buffalo, um, when you look at the Jets and what they're trying to acquire, again, you're taking a butter knife to a gunfight. 
I mean, and look, and I've got all the respect for Bill Belichick, and I still stand by my 60-40 split on their, their responsibility between him and Tom on the, on the dynasty run. I'm standing by that. But the reality of it is he has to change. He's going to have to change his model and the way they operate in New England if he wants to get back in the, in the Chase championships. Because regardless of it is, is that New England and Bill Belichick minus Tom Brady is not one of the most attractive places that free agents are going to want to go play. Period. So, yeah, that whole situation with Lamar to them. But I think what's rich about those comments from Bill Belichick is just really, for the first time, putting Mac Jones on notice. I don't understand any other way you can take it. That's just reality. And a coach like that has the moxie to be able to do that. 877-37-GRIND or 877-374-7463. All right, let's go to uh, Facebook. we got some comments for Facebook Live. We'll start with Carl. He's going back to the UT. We're talking about the UT situation. He said, UT remembered who they were and choked as usual. Laughing emoji. Um if you want to call it a choke job, that's fine. I mean, I, I would look at it more of just, you know, giving credit to the Hurricanes of just really getting the defensive job better. Um, and, and again, Carl, like I've seen in this tournament a lot through some of these matchups where it's not not common for a team to go five or six minutes without scoring a bucket. Um, you know, but yes, if you want to call it a choke job, that's fine. You know, but I think you got to tip your hat to Miami more than anything. Uh, but keeping it moving. Um, also, what do you got? Uh, over on Twitter, Dante uh, mm-hmm. wanted to give a shout out to Caitlin Clark of Iowa, saying she's a beast. Have you caught that over the weekend? Yes, I did. You know, they really uh, took the University of Miami to the woodshed last night. You know, the women, the guys are going to their first Final Four program. I mean, Final Four appearance in program history. Speaking of University of Miami men, and the ladies came up short. I know I haven't talked that much of women's uh, tournament, but I have my eye on it. Uh, but yes, uh, uh, you know, young lady was Clark. Yeah, Caitlin Clark. Caitlin, she has a she has probably the you know I can go back to you know watching you know Tamika Ketchens, Holes called Candace Parker, Cheryl Swoops, even going back as far as Cheryl Swoops. I mean, I've paid attention to college women's basketball off and on, but I can tell you, especially the women that are just great that you just know when you talk about the Sue Birds, when you talk about which spoke to address the team of Iowa, by the way, yesterday, it was crazy to see the young ladies, how they were star, you know, starstruck and, you know, just crying because here comes Sue Bird and girl, you know, that's, you, you don't really see that too much in men and boys, but you know, it was, it was, it was interesting to see that with the ladies that was, you know, surprised of a legend and Sue Bird coming in. But the Diana Taurasi's, like I've seen it. This girl, Clark, she has probably one of the purest jump shots that I've seen uh, from the women's side um, in a long time. It's up there. She, she's very, very talented. I, I don't think anybody personally, Dante, is, is defeating South Carolina. Um, I really don't. Um, you know, I think what they're – I was telling AC this last night – you know, this in women's, it usually comes in cycles and runs. And and this is another reason why I think women's basketball has become, I've said this before, it's become more entertaining for me to watch. Uh, young ladies are getting more athletic than ever before. I mean, even Becky Hammond said that there's some girls that she even coaches on that WNBA team and even girls that are coming up in college that they just do things that certain women years ago just wasn't doing. The game is different. It's speeding up for women, whether it's a good thing. Um 
But I will tell you this, that I don't, but it, the things go into cycles. And this is the reason why I've kind of never really dived in and covered women's basketball that much is because if you notice anything about me, it's just, I don't like really things that are just so much predictable. And I just think in women's basketball at college, it goes in stretches. When you have a good class that you recruit in women's basketball, and you can put together two draft classes that really can give you a legit run to the final four or national championship, most likely you're in women's basketball you're going to pretty much go on a run for the next two or three or four years. Now, I think it comes in cycles where we've seen Tennessee with Pat Summit's run, the great rest of her soul, Pat Summit. Then we saw Geno jump on the scene with UConn and how long that run. You just see this is the first Final Four UConn's not going to be a part of since like 07. Okay, so – my point is, I think it's, you know, Staley, Coach Staley, she's making a lot of money. She's making more money than a lot of people, even Gino. I mean, she's got endorsements with Coach K, TV commercials. I think it's their time. South Carolina is about to go on one of those runs. I don't know if it's going to be a UConn run because I'm not going to, you know, I'm not just going to give them that. That's very impressive, even though I felt like half the competition, you know, it, it just wasn't top. It was top heavy. And I believe now the competition between women's basketball is even getting tougher to have those Tennessee Vols, those UConn runs. But I think Staley and South Carolina, man, I don't see anybody beating them. Now, Iowa, I think also she, they're more than just her, than Miss Clark. They've got some other shooters. They dismantled Miami, which was a red hot team coming in. Um, Louisville uh, took an L last night, you know, to LSU. Uh, they came out pretty much competitive, but then the kind of wheels fell off. So, you know, you got LSU going to the Final Four, too. So, yes, Dante, I'm keeping my eyes out on the women as well. Adam Martinez is checking in on Facebook Live. He says, Calvin, what's with your coach Peyton stating they have no plans on trading any of their receivers? Do you think that he is just saving face because he couldn't get a first or second day draft pick? Your thoughts? Um, no, Adam, What? Uh, first of all, I'm more intrigued by his comments that came out today, this morning, but I'll get to that. But yes, um, he did speak and just say, hey, you know, there's no um, trade you know, basically happening with the receiver you speak of. It's crazy because he said, hey, normally, you know, I like to, but I hear chatter, I like to throw a fastball back at y'all and to brush you back the plate. Peyton is this type of coach that he says he very speaks. He said, I read everything like y'all do. No, he was straight up. I don't think he's trying to save face, Adam. He said, yes, is George getting calls? Are we getting calls for receivers? And Judy, yeah. He goes, yeah. He goes, that's also a result of, number one, you know, there's some talented guys that we've got on our roster. Number two, people know that we're, we're you know, that we're short on draft capital, and you're assuming that we're just looking. So they said, we're going to get some calls. That's what we've done. But we're good with the guys that we have in the room. No, we're not trading them. Now, I would tell you more likely more than him trying to save face or what's the reason. I think, yes, they took offers, but maybe the reason why they stand in Pat 2 is because now you have a situation with K.J. Hamler, who basically tore his pictorial, and he's out four to six months, and that's nothing new. But I think they signed uh, the other day a receiver, a former receiver that used to play for Sean Payton at the Saints. So, no, what I think what he said this morning is more intriguing than anything when he was talking about his signing of Stedman, the backup quarterback. That came from the Las Vegas Raiders, were drafted with the New England Patriots, spent time with Josh Day. He said, hey, when we evaluated him, he goes, when I evaluate him, we believe that he's going to be a starter in this day. Someday, he goes, he thinks he's trending that way. He goes, you turn on the tape, he goes, you look at that San Francisco game. Remember the San Francisco, when they decided to sit Jimmy G, Sean said, if you turn on that tape and you look at that, he goes, there was under the circumstances, they're playing San Francisco. There were some things he did at the line of scrimmage. I think that he's going to be a starter someday, uh, but that's the way he's projecting. Now, who the hell you think he's, he said that to here? 
who you think he was saying that for making saying a lot of here? It's that guy that's taking pictures with his cowboy hat on with Sierra, with Russ. It's just another shot like this is my team. And he's making it so obvious in these meetings. Look, George Payton has the general manager title. There's one guy running the show. It's Sean's show. And he's made, ever since he signed that contract, he's made it know this is my show. George is here. George might be lucky just for basically sitting here because Sean looking at him like, hey, if I can't get him right, this is on you. Both y'all's ass is probably going to be gone after 2023. The group told me that, but I won't tell you anything else. Just give you a heads up. But I think I can get him good. It's Sean's running the show. So, no, Adam, I'm just glad for the first, if you are in Broncos country, and you're a Broncos fan. You haven't you have a CEO running your organization, your team for the first time probably since Mike Shanahan. This is something that Bronco Country has to get acclimated with again. There it, it's been amateur, no disrespect to Vic, but it's been amateur hour for the last five or six years at this. You have a CEO navigating and letting you know what the plans are. Those are shots fired with Stitman today. If I'm Russ, that just lets you know, man, nothing's gonna be given over here. I'm down with that. 877-374-7463. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. We'll be back. Are you ready for a real cocktail? Then crack open a great tasting Zing Zang ready to drink cocktail, like our Bloody Mary with vodka in a can. It's full strength with 9% alcohol and America's number one Bloody Mary mix. Or try our mango margarita crafted with silver tequila and real mango puree. Unlike those hard seltzers, each can is made with premium spirits and real ingredients, just like a bartender made it for you. Zing Zang, always bold, always ready. Go to zingzang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Official sponsor of the Sports Cry. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind are you moving around the greater san antonio area choose the storage experts tiger moving and storage whether you're moving an office or the whole family tiger moving and storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient prompt and cost-effective service to learn more and to secure your portable storage container today go to choose tiger.com tiger moving and storage official sponsor of the sports grind All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing Spin the One and Twos. Today's show was presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose. We have been broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And this last segment 
is going to be sponsored by Zing Zang. Two words, a key to any perfect cocktail, and that is Zing Zang. Make sure you try all their pre-made alcoholic drinks that come in different flavors, or you can just stick to the original mix and add your own favorite alcohol. That is Zing Zang, official sponsor of the sports grind. Man, you went old school on this one, Montel, with no limit. It's my go-to every time you get into Broncos uh, conversation. Let's ride. Wow. Yeah, but there's a new sheriff in town, man. His name Reggie Hammond, a.k.a. Sean Payton. So, yeah, I brought him here because I think he can start. I think he's going to that that, that time. That's where I, I told AC, that's where I'm confident. It's the, to me, it's not even about Russ anymore. It is, but it kind of isn't. I mean, Sean's got like a five-year deal, and he's got a, he's got a black annex card. Unlimited. There's no limit. Yeah, speaking of no limit, put that in no limit because there ain't no limit to the car we got with the Pendulum Group, man. They're doing surveys for stadium questions, the season ticket. Or who's stunting like that? So, to me, either Russ going to get on and get back on the horse and ride, his ass going to ride off and be a little bit embarrassed with some egg on his face. And they're just going to eat that dead money for the next couple of years. But you know what? I'm going to put Stidman in there and go find our guy in a couple of years. Sean's in it for the long haul, man. Like I told you, he turned around the Saints on a dollar general budget. No disrespect to the Benson family. Okay, Saints were wearing paper bags on their head before he showed up. Nobody wanted Drew Brees after that injury in Chargers uh, last game week. So nobody He took them. Like Sean said, there was coaches. He had to go build a staff at that time. He said it wasn't a sexy thing to come to New Orleans to try to go coach. Sean didn't have a resume by that time. And that's why building out this staff just added his final piece. Got it was kind of involved in Bounty Gate. Not Greg Williams, but boy, he's been with him for a long time. 16 years at New Orleans. He came out of retirement too. It's a mix of young and veterans coaching staff. It's just different. Like say to me, that's the most exciting because now there's a CEO running it. And he's demanding, I mean, he's talking in the media. There's no mistake who's running the show. But back to the NBA. We'll see how this Lamar thing comes out. I'm pretty sure you'll hear the Ravens respond tomorrow or the next couple of days to respond to that. But I think now that Lamar's put it out there for the trade request, I think now things start to heat up because somebody's got to hold their somebody's got to show their hand here pretty pretty soon. And if the owners are up to some shenanigans behind closed doors, they're gonna get exposed pretty soon because this is a high profile. This is this is bigger than this is different than Cap. This is Lamar Jackson. So it, they, they better be careful. This is going to be very interesting how this is navigated through. But back to the NBA, okay. Um, kind of talked about it. You know, the Lakers, we talked about in the first hour. LeBron returns last night. Bulls catch him and get him. Patrick Beverly said, hey, not on my watch. There's something to Patrick Beverly when he, he's got the opposite effect, effect, excuse me, of Russell Westbrook. You know, Patrick, wherever Patrick goes, it seems like the team just starts winning and turns around. And I think it's his energy. I think the way he brings it. Uh, but he was able to go ahead with the team that decided to tell him just to get lost. He went and offered them another L in their column. And, you know, again, the Lakers, I believe, are starting to run out some games. They got Chicago uh, tomorrow, which is going to play the Clippers tonight. That'll be three games and three nights. The Lakers will have to take advantage of that tomorrow. Another impressive win that I didn't touch on when I brought up basketball in the first hour, the T-Wolves. You know, Big Cat then came back off an injury pretty much out the whole season. 
and he's been back, and they've had a little spunk in them, and they got a huge win on the road in Golden State last night in the Bay. Paid attention to that game for the most part as well, too. Um, came down to the last wire. You know, to me, Minnesota, and I still feel, and this could have to be with Carl Anthony Times out. First of all, Rudy Gobert is still just over. He's overly paid and overrated. He can rebound, and if, if, if he can rebound and block shots if it's coming right after him. If not, he has no post moves. He has free throws pretty, very decently. And he picks up dumbass fouls. But he's just nothing. I think Minnesota really just started the season off on the wrong foot of just thinking because they had success last year that it was just going to roll out the ball and they were going to pick up where they lost. And it took them a while to get going. But they are in a playoff thick of things. That's why that was a huge game last night because not too many games separate them and uh, Golden State neck and neck. So that was a huge one last night that Minnesota was able to get on the uh, win on the road. Also, the Portland Trail Blazers have made a decision to go ahead and shut down Dame Lillard for the season, which is only about seven, eight games left. Um, to me, I'm surprised they didn't do this a little bit earlier, and it just goes back to – and number two, the reason why they're like, hey, we might as well try to lose out while we can to get some more extra ping pong ball just in case we get lucky. But it also supports what I've been trying to preach on this show for weeks now and months. It's time to go ahead and trade Dame Lillard. I mean, I know Dane probably wants to try to finish his career as a Portland Trailblazer, but I don't think it benefits him or Portland and where Chauncey's trying to take this team. It does not behoove them to get back competitively in the West to keep Dame Lillard on that team. I think you need to try to trade him, and I think Dame needs to – we know what Dame tweeted out years ago. We know that he said, hey, all y'all running the team up, get in the gym, blah, 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 blah. We know that was Dame. But I think Dame has shown and proved how loyal he is. And I, but I think it's at the same time where Portland, you got to look at an organization. How do we get better? How do we get better? We need to move on from Dame because he's a big figure with some of these young pieces that need to take that next step, you know, on their own. 877-37-GRIND. Also, NBA-wise, so looking at tonight, you know, this was going to um, this was going to be a big, big showdown tonight when you look at the Denver Nuggets hosting the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, the 76ers have been on this road trip, and B kind of got banged up a little bit the other night. Um you know, everybody knows it's well documented that this is a race between the Joker and Bede for the MVP. It's kind of been like that for the last two, three years. And Bede has not been able to crack the code and get one. But I think really in the last two or three weeks of the season, um, his team has played better and he's played. I don't necessarily I'm not going to sit here and say he's played better than Joker because I don't think Joker's play has fallen off. But his team has kind of fallen off, gone in that stretch. Me personally, I've been saying this, that I think this is the year that Embiid deserves it. Now, tonight, what I'm interested in is because in Colorado, they're already bitching and complaining. I mean, because they feel like this should be taken in consideration. If Joel Embiid sits out tonight against the Joker, knowing that this is the MVP race and you're going to sit out and not play, well, endurability part of it and this, this. I mean, they're just reaching up there in Colorado. Okay. Well, you have perks, but stoking those flames. You have who? 
Kendrick Perkins. And he's stoking it. What did he come out and say? He come out and said something he's different. He's saying now. you can't miss this game. He said, I have an MVP vote. I'm going to be looking at this, and I'm going to factor it. You can't miss a game well, that's, that's, in this battle. That, that's why I wanted to ask to sit there and see how much does this really impact Embiid in his voting. Now, Kendrick Perkins, I believe, take that. To, what Did he just tweet that? Uh, he said it. Um, no, uh, I have it through another source. Okay. So, so exciting him. Okay. Uh, he said uh, Joel Embiid is ducking that smoke. You cannot sit out this game. When it comes down to these matchups, I have a vote for MVP. I'm going to remember this moment. Well, first of all, I believe that take that with a grain of salt because I think that Kendrick Perkins is trying to. I won't say he's not moonwalking back on what he said, but I think he's trying to do some damage control of trying to look like he's not being totally biased in his opinion based off of race or the way he thinks the league is set up, the advantage that Joker has because he's white. All the stuff that was a firestone when he said it a few weeks ago that's died down because they're not even talking about that in Colorado anymore. But the truth of the matter is that sounds like that to me now. The other part is I think that if at this point with seven, eight games to go, I think voters, because there are other people besides Kendra Perkins who have an MVP vote, I think majority of them have their mind made up which way they're going by this point. And you have to really ask yourself, a writer or a former player with a vote that has, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a vote on MVP, Knowing that that Embiid hasn't taken off that many games this year because of load management, he really hasn't. Are you really going to dock him the MVP because he didn't show up in a game on a road trip? I mean, I think Philly's played like what three games out of four nights, two out of three, something like that. Are you and he's kind of banged up with this situation he's dealing with? Are you really going to dock him because he didn't play against Joker? That's technically the other person that's a front runner for MVP as well. When they when they did play heads up, because I think it really hurts Joker a little bit more than Embiid. If you want to, if you want to be honest, the way the last few weeks has gone, because this would be an opportunity for the Joker to go out there and will his team to a victory over Embiid and pretty much outplay him. If Embiid sits down and doesn't play, which we know that he's ruled out and he's not playing tonight, the if you want to talk if part of your if you have a vote and part of you are saying, well, hey, let's let's have them measure the tape. Let's measure these up together. Let's look at head to head. Well the one thing that we know is the last time they played, they only played twice in, out of 82 games. The first time they played about a month and a half, a couple months ago, Embiid gave them the business. And they beat Denver in Philly. So that's the last image if you're going your criteria off of that. I feel what is even going to be more interesting to me if the 76ers figure out a way to get this game and win this game without Joel Embiid. Now, is James Harden still out? Check to see because I know he's been out the last couple games. The last time I checked, Philly's a seven-point underdog. Denver's is minus seven-point favorite tonight um, at home, and I believe that game is in Colorado. Um, so they're a seven-point favorite last I checked. But is, is uh, James still out tonight? It, it is, and Harden is reportedly uh, returning. Okay, see, there you go. I mean, He this... participated in shoot-around, according to the Okay, so Embiid's going to sit out, but Harden's going to go. So to me, is this what's more telling and could be damaging to the Joker? What if Philly goes and wins this game and sweeps Denver for the season and they win this game without Joel Embiid? Should that hurt the Joker? 
It just depends on how you look at this. This depends on whether you look at the glass half full or half empty in this race. I think both are deserving, but I think if it's any year that Embiid really deserves it, it's probably going to be this year because this is the year that he didn't talk about it. He didn't show up to the press conference. He didn't show up meet media day in October or in November, I should say, and say, hey, well, you know, this year I'm going to try to get the MVP. He didn't say. He said, I don't want to talk about it. I'm not talking about it. And he went out to lead this team. Now, this team, including along with Doc Rivers, they're only going to be judged by what they do in the postseason. When, when when it starts really counting, four out of seven. They're only going to be judged on that and if they can come out of this East. Now, granted, I know they lost in Denver the other night because they were coming off of a back-to-back. -back. They had played the night before as well. But right now, if you look at, especially if we just talk about the Eastern Conference side, right now, the way I look at it, it could change. But as if you ask me right now, I mean, I'm looking at a team in Milwaukee with the Bucks. That if I had to pick somebody right now to come out the East, I would probably go ahead and probably say I'd have to roll with Milwaukee and how times have changed since COVID. Because pre-COVID, Boo Noser, Yon, and let me tell you something, I still, with that said, and he's done a heck of a job, I still wouldn't take Budenhoser to take over here when old man Sutter decides to walk up. I still don't want him. And I don't want the guy that's sitting on the bench right now either. Embiid's old coach, the, uh, the trust the process guy. Okay. But Milwaukee, especially with the pickup of Crowder at the at the trade time and picking him up, um, they, I just in in the East, I just don't know. And, and I think Boston, you know, now Boston. They just stomped the Spurs last night. And I think when I saw, I think Jason Tatum was in a sweater. He didn't even play. But they stomped the Spurs last night. But I think if you look at Boston, there's something, even though I gave them a lot of credit by the way they started the season and the way they, you know, helped with the they dealt with the Adoka situation. But me personally, I think there's something that they're not saying that they can't get to the Eastern Conference Finals or they can't get back to the finals. They wouldn't be my pick over Milwaukee. But I think something is missing from the Adoka season. Something's missing from that, meaning like I, I, I love what this coach has done, um, but I still think these, these laws that we've seen Boston go through and they kind of did it a little bit before the break, then after break, I just think there's something that's missing. Could be wrong. So that's why I say right now in the Eastern Conference, I would basically go ahead and look at Milwaukee Bucks being probably the favorite to come out of the East. And I think the wild card in that is Philly and Embiid and Harden. I think if Harden can play in the playoffs like he has in the regular season and Embiid can be healthy and play like he's played at an MVP level, Philly's got a shot at this. If Doc didn't screw it up, I think I think Philly has a shot at this. But for right now, I think Milwaukee. I mean, what they just finished what a ten eleven game winning streak, twelve winning streak they had just a month ago or weeks ago. I think I think they're playing pretty much the most consistent ball um, in the Eastern Conference. The West is still like, you know, that the West is still just depends on health. <laughs> 
I mean, that's the West. I mean, it depends on whether the Lakers are going to make it in. It depends on LeBron if he can hold up healthy coming down the stretch. I think AD stepped his game up while he's been absent. But with no LeBron and LeBron not 100%, there's no shot. I mean, you look at the Clippers situation with Paul George. I mean, they kind of dodged a bullet there, but he's going to be reevaluate like in two weeks. He's probably not. He might not even be uh, available for their first round matchup, playoff matchup, or at least the first couple games. Um, you look at uh, who else? You can keep going down the list in the West with with you know. You look at Golden State. I mean, you know that that was a tough loss they took last night with Minnesota, but that's another team. You know they're flirting around. Where okay, if we can get in, where do we fall at? But everything in the West, I believe, just resol- it revolves around a lot of health questions on really who's coming out of the West. Because I don't think anybody, if anybody tells you they know a hundred percent who's coming out of the Western Conference to represent the West NBA Finals. They're lying or they're trying to be a show off to somebody. And I've never tried to be a show off to anybody. Y'all just think I come across that way. But no, I never try to high step or show off to anybody. So I would tell you straight up, I have no idea who's coming out of the Western Conference based off of just health in general and the way this season's gone. What do you got, Jonas? No, yeah. I mean, when you look at tonight's uh, you know slate of games, it speaks a lot to that. The Suns versus Jazz is a key one. Uh, it's, it's important because the Jazz, see, they're right there KD. playing for a 10 spot. The Suns, you know, they're playing for, uh, I think they can still push uh, for a three or holding or holding on to life to keep everybody else back by a game. Um, the Pelicans, you know, they could go to 7th or 10th in their game against the Trailblazers. They should win that one. So they got the Pelicans have the Trailblazers tonight, and they're still playing for a spot. Pelicans. Well, in a sense, because yeah. it's just the the massive swing that can happen if you lose tonight and and another team wins because and we've hammered it. It's so close right now in the West. That's really the kind of swings that you deal with. Um, you know, then when you look at the other side of the standings, while we got teams competing for the playoffs, we got teams competing for the lottery. The Pistons, they've got the Bucks tonight. That should be an easy win for Milwaukee, uh, keeping the Pistons down there with the worst record in the NBA. But the Rockets with the Knicks, and the Knicks are trying to hold on to their spot, too. You know, I think they're the fifth seed over there in the and East. And the Knicks, who does the Knicks have tonight? Uh, the Rockets in in, uh, in New York. And Rockets. It, you know, I know that they're in the Wimby sweepstakes as well, too. Uh, but they, they're another team that some nights they show up, they can really compete and know how to compete. But, yeah, it's definitely time that year that you're going to have to start paying attention to these last few regular season games because all of them, majority, at least one or two games a night, I have some playoff implications to them in seeding. Anyway, that is a wrap for today, Monday's edition. Special thanks to producer of the show, Jonas Clark. All right, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, people up in Lubbock, people up in Tyler, people up in the Shot City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region. When that alarm goes off tomorrow, Tomorrow morning before you hit the snooze button, before you roll out the rack, just ask yourself, you grind in peace. See you tomorrow. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. 
Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here.